0: Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had an okay week. As you're listening to this, I am probably in Las Vegas at BravoCon, and I am just so, so, so excited. I'm sure more news will be coming out throughout the week, but I am recording this early, so you're only going to hear whatever happened through the evening of Wednesday, November 1st, okay? (laughs) Because that's all I've got. I'm sure next week when I am recapping BravoCon, there'll be a lot more to share. Of course, this week, me and my guest get very into the nitty gritty of the Vanity Fair article about a reality TV reckoning with Bravo, which my guest was, she heard a lot of new things for the first time in that Article. For me, I had heard most of it before and kind of felt like the article fell flat, um, with the exception of everything that went on with um, Ebony Williams um, and the fallout of Ramona being pulled out of BravoCon. All that was really um, interesting and sad and infuriating. Um, but everything else in that article, just, I don't know. I. I was not convinced, um, but we have a long, robust discussion about it. So, would love to hear your all's thoughts. Um, so my guest this week is Catherine Collette. She is an author in Australia, and we talk a lot about the article, and we get into Salt Lake City and everything going on with all the, you know, messed up relationships between moms and daughters, uh, and so many funny things that happen also alongside all of the drama. And then, of course, we finish out with the end of this season of The Real Housewives of New York City. Next week I will be back recapping all the shows um, but again if you guys uh, are at BravoCon or were at BravoCon and missed me like just reach out I am hoping to meet as many of you as I can and I will try and capture as much content as I can and as many stories as I can to share with you all I am just I haven't been this excited for something I think in like 4 years so I am very very pumped um anyways as always if you enjoy the podcast go ahead give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review if you have anything you want to reach out to me about you can dm me at mandy slutzker i'm probably going to be a little slow on the response these next few weeks but um always love hearing from you we will take a quick break and then back with Catherine Collette. Hi, everyone. I am being joined by someone from the future. (laughs) She is, I believe, 15 or 16 hours ahead of me in Melbourne, Australia. We've got Catherine Collette, who is an author that's published two adult novels and has two children's books on the way. And she also co hosts a podcast called The First Time, which is about writing and the experience of publication. She also happens to be a Bravo fan, of course. How are you doing, Catherine? I'm
1: very well. I am. Um, I'm so excited to be talking to you, especially as we've been talking off air. This is like right before you go to BravoCon.
0: Yeah, we are um, about t minus twelve hours <laughs> from takeoff. <laughs> And I'm just recording because we got to get the people what they need. (laughs) Mm, That's right. (laughs) There is so much to discuss. But before we get into it, I just need to know, how did you find Bravo? I always love talking to international viewers because it's a little harder to find when you live outside the U.S.
1: That's very true, actually. Um, The first Bravo show I ever watched was Vanderpump Rules. (sighs) And I don't even know how I would have, I think perhaps it was on Netflix at the time. And I stumbled across it and I can even remember the scene. It was between Jax and Stasi and... Jax was lying about having cheated on Stasi, and for some reason that just, I was in. I was 100% in. I got into Vanderpump Rules, and then I started watching um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. But it was really hard to get anything else for ages and ages, like multiple years. And then an app started in Australia called Hey You. And, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that app is exclusively reality content. And I feel like that's when it really took off in Australia.
0: Nice. Do you have a favorite show now? it's
1: like asking, which is my favorite child? Um, do you know, I, prob- I definitely wouldn't have said this last season, but this season I reckon Salt Lake City is killing it. It's so good. It is like we're going to be talking about this Vanity Fair article, but um, there's a comment in the article about Housewives being a comedy. I haven't really felt that's the case except for Salt Lake City this year. There are so many laugh out loud moments. It is just bonkers, absolutely bonkers.
0: It's so bonkers. I do feel like Housewives is a comedy, but comedy is often don't they say the equation for comedy is tragedy plus time equals comedy And so we do we are seeing these women's tragedies or them looking back on tragedies, but the comedy is all of the weird sort of things that surround them and I can't help but think I was trying to explain to some co-workers. How funny and unexpected and unscripted! So many moments are, and the best one I could think of in recent memory was the toothless, not homeless. Oh my god! Where Melissa Etheridge of all people is hiding behind a sheet, and the only people that know she's there are Dorit and her husband, and the women are just fighting and they're acting insane. And you know that Melissa Edre- Etheridge is listening the whole time. And then they have to put the fighting on pause as they, like, unveil her. And she just comes out singing. And it's just that moment is so wild. It's so crazy. And just the yeah, fact that, that the is charity funny. is... Toothless, not or homeless, not toothless. I think I said it wrong the first time. Like that whole thing, and Kathy Hilton being like, I've worked with the homeless, I've worked with the toothless. Like it's just
1: oh, you can't and derate with the, it. the wind chimes. Oh, my she- god,
0: the chicest. <laughs> There's humor in these shows, even That's when it doesn't true. feel like it. That is very true. <laughs> so <laughs> let's dive into this Vanity Fair article. So We've all been told and heard that there was a reality reckoning coming and it was being led by Bethany Frankel. And there's a big expose article that's going to come out in Vanity Fair that's been worked on for months and months and months. And I'm thinking this is going to have multiple people on the record. We're going to hear things we haven't heard before. There's going to be details about workplace conditions and expectations that are very clear, either in writing or statements that are corroborated, this seemed to me to fall so flat. It was, I don't know what you feel. I felt like it was such a disappointment. I didn't read anything new. And the only thing that was revealed from it is how Bravo tolerated a racist workplace. Um, Mm. And Ebony Williams was forced to be around Ramona Singer, who had engaged in multiple like racist behaviors and and said racist things, and they found everything inconclusive, and then <laughs> Ramona really showed her cards by you know texting the uh, reporter and said, "I didn't say the quote unquote N word. I said," and then she used like she. She referenced what that word was. It was just a mess. And Bravo pulled her from BravoCon. So the one big... They didn't realize that that Bravo had pulled Ramona from BravoCon. Yeah, like within hours. So, um, and I don't think it was based on just the article, maybe. But I think it was based on the text Mm -hmm. message to the reporter. So there is no, you know, inconsistency or you know, what What did they say? Inconclusiveness with the yeah. HR, <laughs> HR findings anymore because she outed herself.
1: <laughs> That's so interesting. The context for me feels quite different because I had not heard that this article was coming at all. Oh. Um, and so the first I saw of it was dramatic headline and then a photo a very somber looking photo of Bethany Frankel all in black. We do have to say that the photos in this article are pretty ridiculous. <laughs> like <laughs> extremely somber faces. And, you know, they emanate a lot of sadness. I think they went a little bit too hard on the um serious face <laughs> in some of the photos. Um, but yeah, so that was my first image of the article. There's, I mean, there's a heap. I did think they shouldn't have led with that image because there's so much resistance to Bethany Frankel at the moment, but I thought it was a really good article Um, perhaps because I didn't have any expectations. The race stuff was interesting to me, but also the alcohol um, commentary. Obviously they had uh, Leah Sweeney and um, she talked fairly in depth about her experience on Roni. Um, She was obviously sober prior to coming on the show goes on the show, drinks a lot, acts out, kind of becomes, I don't know if you'd say a star, but certainly finds fame, but pretty spectacularly unravels at the same time. I think it's looking at how much how much of that is her fault and how much is Bravo's fault. So it's sort of this individual responsibility versus do they create a culture and an environment that encourages drinking. What's interesting to me is I think Bravo is really out of step with, their attitude to alcohol and how people's attitudes are changing things like the shot ski on watch what happens live where now you have, it's not uncommon for the housewives or say Lala La Kent or other people to be shooting, having a shot of water, you know, like that's, that's sort of how far it's come that people are actually not wanting to drink and sort of going through the motions and not having it. So some of that stuff around alcohol, I found really interesting. Um, I know that Teddy and Tamara and other housewives have come out and said, no one forced me to drink. At no point was I told that I had to drink. I don't think anyone's ever going to tell you you have to drink, but you don't have to tell them to do so in order to push them to drink. You can be much more subtle about it by providing drinks, by not putting limits on drinks. Other people will be drinking. Alcohol's addictive anyway. The messaging around alcohol is it's fun, relax, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I reckon Bravo does have some changes they need to make. Interesting.
0: Particularly in the alcohol space.
1: Yeah. Oh. That was my take because um, I like that shift in general from individual responsibility. It's very easy, particularly with Leah, who in many ways is not such a likeable um, housewife, particularly in the Ultimate Girls Trip season. Um, so it's easy to say she's made bad choices but I think there's also truth in the fact that many, lots, a lot perhaps, of housewives have had a negative experienced experience after coming off the show. When you see a lot of people having negative experiences, then you start to say, well, hang on, what else is going on?
0: Yeah, I think... The negative experiences are primarily fame and social media and regular media, where people are talking about you in the press, they have this idea of you, but they may not know you at all, you know, you're judged by your worst moments, um, but that's no different to me than other reality shows. What I think is unique about The Housewives is that many people come back year after year. And so they become professional reality stars where they know Mm. what's going on with production, where they know how this all works. And where I think people are naive is when they come on things like The Bachelor and they're 22 years old, 23 years old. They can drink as much as they want. They're not given food, like that kind Mm. of stuff. And that has changed after there was a sexual assault that occurred on Bachelor in Paradise a number of years ago. Mm. What's different is that I think a lot of the housewives have much more power than other reality stars because they come back year after year. They can kind of say, oh, I'm not doing that, you know, and maybe they lose their job, but... Candy Burris is the longest-running housewife, and she does not drink. I think that's a really good distinction, actually, the fact that they come back and the power of That's the difference. I think first back. season is very different from recurring, like Shannon Bedore. Yes, Shannon Bedore is unraveling. I think she would have unraveled regardless of whether she was on television or not. And I think... It's hard to know where the boundary is on mental health issues mm, and that's... things like alcoholism. Is it your boss's job to step in and say you have a problem, even though they're not qualified to diagnose and treat? Mm. Or is it, you know, your responsibility to say, actually, I have a problem and I need to remove myself from this situation. It It's hard. It's not clear it, it cut. It is.
1: I th- I think it's really hard and that um, the the Bachelor example, which they use in the Vanif- Vanity Fair article, that the Bachelor has moved to a two-drink maximum model, recognising that things can kind of, I mean, the risks are slightly different in that situation. But I reckon I don't know that it necessarily creates the best TV, the um, excessive drinking. There's certainly housewives that don't drink, um, Candy's one. I think um, Margaret Joseph's is another. Yeah, I can see both sides. I really can. I think that if – yeah, I, I can see both sides. I do think – I don't think it would do harm to create an environment where alcohol was reduced.
0: Right, but the question is who, who takes it away because it's not like they're in a controlled environment like The Bachelor where – You know, your food and your drink and your sleep is all controlled. They're just filming scenes. So, you know, are they not supposed to order alcohol? Is someone not supposed to have it at a party that's being held? Like, I I don't think it's a good environment for someone that has an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Mm. That's Mm. the key. But people need to decide whether or not they have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And it doesn't usually work when other people point it out. <laughs> they don't yeah. They don't usually want to receive it, just as throughout the season, people were making comments to Shannon Bador and she was just excusing it and excusing it and making excuses. Mm. And then she has this DUI that's very serious, and she gets very yeah. hurt, and she could have harmed many people and Archie. So I don't know. I think with Leah, the hard part for me is that... She doesn't seem to take accountability. Mm, Leah
1: anything. is a hard pin-up person. Absolutely agree with that. She is a really hard pin-up person. I think uh, an argument that sort of does not help Leah as this sort of pin-up person for this alcohol aspect of the Bravo reckoning reckoning is that she started drinking before she yes. went back on the
0: show. So that sort of doesn't. And she told them help that she didn't have a problem. So how are they supposed to know that she has a problem when she's saying, I wasn't drinking for nine years, I decided it wasn't good for me. Mm. And now I decided to like have a drink here and there. And so they're like, okay, and I'm sure they ask her questions about it. But she never used the term relapse with Mm. any of the producers, or in any of the footage. She never used that term. She's using it now that she's sober, and she's working a program that she recognizes that it was a relapse. But at the time, I don't know that anyone else thought it was a relapse.
1: Yeah, she it, de- it didn't read as a relapse when she initially started talking to it. And I do think in this article, she sort of uh, re-edits what she's said. I said this for these reasons. I said this for that reason. But I do think, and maybe it's just a critique of alcohol in culture. We sort of have this category of, alcoholic or problematic drinker that is such an extreme um definition that it's so long as you're not that everything else is okay and Mm. is acceptable whereas we wouldn't apply that to other drugs we wouldn't say oh there's an acceptable level of cocaine use or an acceptable level of ice use it just seems this i do think that the the attitudes towards alcohol certainly in australia are really shifting a lot more people becoming non-drinkers um And I think some of the housewives too. An interesting thing from Leah's point of view was the experience that she had on the Ultimate Girls trip. There were quite a few moments in there that were a little bit bizarre. Like, I mean, it wasn't a great season for Heather, but Heather's comments about let's get Leah drunk, um, Marisol, who – perhaps you could think maybe has a problematic relationship with alcohol herself saying, you know, good for you. You're doing really well, but I wish you were drinking. You'd be a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. There was, that was terrible that their attitudes towards it. But I do think that a lot of these shows are reflection on our society and people probably say the wrong things to alcoholics Mm -hmm. all the time. Right. So Not everyone is educated about alcoholism and how to engage with someone that is abstaining from drugs and alcohol. Mm. They like don't know how to talk about it, how to be, and especially when they've seen someone who has been completely different on TV. Mm. So I think Mm. that was where the discrepancy was. I'm not, you know. Trying to defend Heather Gay or Marisol, no, not at at all. all. And I think
1: it's a great. I think it's the beauty of Housewives
0: that they encourage discussions about things of like, well, is that really
1: okay, or that was a bit. It was shitty.
0: They They should know when someone says, "I don't drink," I have a problem. Leah just assumed everyone read her book, you know. (laughs) Just like Heather (laughs) Gay is assuming it. People aren't reading these books, girls. We don't know your whole life story. You're going to have to explain. And with Leah, I think she refuses to take any personal responsibility for any decision she has ever made in the history of her life. I think she is permanently 16 years old. She's still begging for her mother's love. She's still rebelling. She's still like acting, you know, like she can do no wrong. And like she knows everything. And it's rubs a lot of people the wrong way what the thing that rubbed me the wrong way is that she's rewriting history Mm. and she's saying oh i said that because of whatever how is a producer supposed to know what you mean if you are (laughs) saying something and you mean something completely different you Mm. need to be clear with your words and if i don't know i mean i don't want to like say, because I would never go on reality TV. But if I did, and I ended up in a psychiatric hospital afterwards, I doubt I would ever return to the television. It is Mm. insane to me that she's like, I had to be hospitalized. I was in such a bad place. Like that makes me feel terrible. I hope she's getting help. I hope she said eight days, Mm. that's all insurance would pay for it. Like girl, get better insurance. I, I, You've access yeah. to a lot of wealth that people, other people don't have, like use it on therapy, on going away for a bit, like do what mm. you need to do to get better so that you can be there for your kid. But don't go back on television and then blame the network. Mm. That's how I it feel a, about it. I a just curious choice. And particularly because we've watched a couple people get sober On these shows, uh, including Lala, who is around alcohol all the time. I don't know how she does it, but she says, and I know all the production companies are different, but she says that when she made the decision to get sober and she told production, they were like, okay, what can we do to create an environment supportive environment for you? Which scenes are you uncomfortable filming? Are you uncomfortable filming at a bar? Are you uncomfortable filming at this party? Like how can we be supportive? And there was a period of like seven or eight months that she was sober before they started filming again. And she said that period was really helpful. Had she only been sober a couple months, she wasn't sure that she could do it. Mm. But she did. And the more she did it, and the more everyone else like was on her side and ordering mocktails for her and all of that, she kind of came into her own and she's still interesting television. The idea that you have to be wasted to be interesting is something that you're telling yourself. Leah is telling herself that she thinks the producers are insinuating it. It's in her own head. Mm. I think like, I hadn't actually heard
1: Lala talk about the help that or the supportiveness of Bravo. It would have been interesting
0: to have that counter perspective in this. And, It's a different it's evolution which is a different production company than Shed Media which is what produces The Real Housewives of New York. So I don't know if the different production companies have different ways of dealing with it. The Real Housewives of New York, the old one is really tough because everyone seemed to have a problematic relationship with alcohol. Yes. Like serious. I mean Sonia when they were talking about the, her in the article, I mean I've met her in real life and she's on something. Like, she, her eyes don't focus. She's hilarious. She's quick-witted. She's so funny. But she is not sober at all. Mm. And I don't think she should ever be behind a car or heavy machinery, you know. It's just, it's clear that there's something, it it wasn't just alcohol. It was like pills and alcohol. It was very obvious. You know, and... uh, I don't know. Like, I'm kind of glad Roni isn't on anymore because those women had so many problems and they weren't sharing anything new and it got really dark and everyone wanted to blame Ebony for having the audacity to talk about race. (laughs) But the truth is, they all sucked. (laughs) It
1: was, yeah, it was a bit of a train wreck that um, those like the last few seasons of Roni, Ebony is in this article. She, I mean, she comes across so well. She's got such credibility. Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah, she is excellent. And I think the race discussion is super interesting. I think as a white Australian woman, um, Housewives for me has been so educational on race issues in the US, but also equally in Australia. Um, I do think Ebony from a housewife's perspective, and admittedly she was in a group that was a very strange little group of people. I don't think it worked in that respect, but I think her approach to race was far more formal in in terms of education, whereas something like Potomac, you really feel like you are just listening in on conversations these women would actually have amongst themselves.
0: Oh, I agree. I don't know that Ebony fit into the Real Housewives format. I think she's meant for a talk show where she is able to like show all of her wit and her intellect and her, you know, ability to verbally spar with people in a way that about like important topics, not about the stuff Mm. that they normally talk about. So, yeah, I totally hear you on that. The other one, just talking about
1: um, people going to rehab, I'm going to say Raquel, Rachel, Rachel Levis. Yeah. What is what is your take on, she was included a little bit in this
0: article. What was your take on that? Since she didn't provide any quotes, like I don't really know, but it sounded as though she has a, probably some sort of a personality disorder, I think, you know, based on things that she said Um, publicly and after coming out of rehab I feel like she has been diagnosed with something and is being treated and um, but I don't know how would Bravo know like they didn't know she was having an affair like they they didn't know I don't know people like people have panic attacks on camera all the time because people have panic attacks in real life all the time Mm -hmm. it's not an out of this world thing for it to happen I just, I don't know, what were they supposed to do? That was to a do? tough reunion, wasn't it? Like,
1: yes. I actually was listening yes. not that long ago to episodes that you had done on that Vanderpump reunion. It was just too fresh, wasn't it? Like, it 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 was hard to watch. They were, particularly because you see it in, in a delay.
0: In a de- Yeah, you see it in a delay, and it was like, wow, when Ariana said, you know, go fuck yourself with a cheese grater. She doesn't even remember saying that. She said that she blacked out during the whole thing. Uh, She was in such anger and, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I think they did it too soon. And I know that it's like really hard to get a schedule together and all of that, but it felt that sticking to it too soon. And, you know, what's Andy supposed to say to someone who's just been so wronged? that he might say like, all right, all right. Like that's enough. I think that's what he should have said to that comment, but I don't know. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Reasons we do not go on reality TV. We just watch <laughs> from the safety it's of our It's complicated. Homes. It's like, you know, in real life, people say things to you that you don't like, that are mean, that are harsh, that are racist, that are homophobic, that are anti-Semitic. Like people say shit and you can't create a world where that doesn't exist or I know that workplaces are trying very hard Mm. to create a world where that doesn't happen. But uh, the racism stuff is the true, like, big dump, this Mm. big story from this article because this has all been out there. It's just never Mm. been corroborated and confirmed by a journalist. It feels irrefutable too, doesn't it? Like... Yeah, and I always believed it, but it's like it wasn't out there in any documentation. So how how do you know? Like Ramona was- has had a
1: free ride for a long time. Though yes. she's
0: like the
1: degree to which they have backed her in situations is yeah. I, I'm not sure what their thinking has been in doing that.
0: I was even talking to my friend Jody that I'm going to BravoCon with, and she said last year at BravoCon during one of the Ask Andy sessions, someone got up and said, why are you having Ramona Singer on Ultimate Girls Trip? Wasn't she the reason why you guys didn't have the reunion? And wasn't she in trouble for saying racist stuff? And Andy said that the casting for Ultimate Girls Trip happened prior to (laughs) them doing the investigation which i think is absolute bullshit because we didn't get a final cast until recently like we didn't even know until they were at the island Mm. that who was there right like it was supposed to be certain people and not all well if also if
1: if if filming hasn't started then why can't you pull her Yeah. yeah
0: that's right Yeah, it was, it's tough. They have, uh, I think it was really easy for them to get rid of Jenny Wynn from The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City because she was a first-time housewife and she didn't have a lot of fans. So Mm. it's like, oh, you're racist. We have proof you're racist. It's in writing. That's it. Right? Yeah. So that's it. With Ramona, it was like these phrases or sayings but we didn't know if she really said them or not said them there's an hr investigation they you know couldn't corroborate so it's like a he said she said in those situations i'm like i don't really think ebony's like getting her words wrong but ebony wasn't there mm. for all of it yes that's that right. was the issue and it was a female producer who happened to be black who brought it to their attention. And I think with Ebony's support. Mm. Yeah. And Bethany didn't seem to have any real. Bethany was not that much in the whole article, though she has multiple of these photos. She acts Um, as if she was wronged by Bravo, but Bravo gave her everything that she has. She would be nothing without Bravo. Well,
1: I mean, you know, stems from her perceived humiliation at this Watch What Happens Live. This is this is the correct reading, right, that she had yeah. this experience on Watch What Happens Live. She feels like that was humiliating. She got very angry and that kind of rolled into this critique of Bravo and, and this kind of escalating rights of reality TV stars, which in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, you know, It is, it's hard to separate those two things in moments that she has, yeah. Do you need to come from a good place to be able to mount good arguments and critique something? No, but it being Bethany, you kind of bundle that stuff all together.
0: Yeah. And if your focus isn't really on getting improved workplace conditions, but is on sticking it to Andy, then Mm you're not actually trying to fix the problem that you claim you're trying to fix. You're just trying to stick it to Andy Cohen. And that came across very clearly in the article that she has a bone to pick with him and she wants to take down him and everyone around him.
1: Well, and the irony is that where she felt she was humiliated was that they were asking questions about why are you doing a Housewives podcast when you have been so critical of Housewives and your experience on
0: housewives which is the fairest question in the world it is it's like why are you still talking about this and she didn't want to provide the truth which is it makes me money <laughs> it's the truth right like mm. there's no other reason to talk about it if you hate it why would are you watching the shows why are you commenting why are you sitting in your bed eating crabs and like making tiktoks I, like
1: w- <laughs> i think it's also the fame thing for bethany too like yeah. i think she wants that the spotlight
0: yeah she's crazy she's a narcissist like they all are but she's the worst because she's so manipulative and she's so good at making it seem like she's the good guy when she's really the bad guy in every situation like she's the bad guy he, all the time. I think she was the bad guy in the fight between her and what and um Carol? N- Carol yes, Redfield. Her and Carol, yeah. but Could also I Carol? Who was the first one? Jill Zaren. Oh, Jill Zaren. I think she was, was in the wrong there. My like time. I yeah. think she's always in the wrong. I think she's can I can't find one scenario where she has been like right. She's just better Articulating her
1: thoughts, he is articulate. The um Hannah off summer Summerhouse. I don't know if you've ever seen <laughs> Hannah Burner. I did Hannah Burner. So she, for a brief period of time, was doing sort of takeoff uh, parody videos of Bethany Frankel reviewing. I think it was reviewing makeup. thing like makeup and mm-hmm. stuff, and and also eating things sometimes yep. she would buy like more multi- they were so funny because bethany has such a weird unusual way of i don't know if she's bought a couple of different donuts and she's saying that this donut's better than that donut, which is just an unusual thing to begin with um she sort of stuffs the food in her face she talks with have you seen these it's, videos yeah she's i haven't like, seen hannah's the parody them, is but- it's very very funny
0: I just, I can't with her. I just don't think that... I don't even like when she's helping in a crisis anymore. Mm. It's like, you're making this about you. You're trying to say you're the one that's fixing everything. Who gives a fuck about the Red Cross and all the UN and all these other people? (laughs) Mm. Mm. And if you're doing good, great. Why do you have to publish it? Yeah. It's just, it reeks of, look at me and all these poor sad people that i'm helping with it's very savior uh, sort of stuff it stuff. is it bothers me mm. and it feels like mm. she's only doing it not for that reason i do think there's an element of like that she cares but why can't she have empathy towards people in her real life like why doesn't she have any mm. friends you know why the only people around her is the person she's engaged to and her daughter Mm. And everyone that works for her. If you're not on her payroll, she doesn't spend time with you. Like she doesn't have real friendships. Because I don't think she can extend empathy to anyone other than people on a TV screen who are experiencing an earthquake or a war. Yeah, I think it's, I'd agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> sorry I like I just that article I'm just like this is the bombshell we've know that Leah is it's, an alcoholic we know she doesn't want to take accountability and is gonna blame everyone else for her decisions like I, I don't know what to do other than hey you shouldn't have agreed to go on the show mm-hmm. and especially once you got sober and then you learned about oh this is a problem that I have and I really this is how I'm gonna work my program why go on it again? Like, why keep making, and then sue the network for having a disability? Like, I
1: didn't understand, completely understand the connection with disability. Is alcoholism defined as a disability? Is that? I think that's the argument they're making. I mean, it is,
0: I believe, a diagnosis in the official like DSM-5 is my guess. Right. And so any diagnosis of mental health concerns can is considered I believe a disability under the Americans with Disabilities Act and workplaces are supposed to accommodate for right. employees with disabilities. But I don't know. I mean, w- did she ask for certain accommodation because you actually have to disclose whether or not you need accommodations in your workplace, right? Right. They can't um, discriminate against you in hiring or anything like that. But if you start and you say, I have dyslexia and I need these tools in order to be able to do this thing, or I need this much more time, or I need... um, a sign language interpreter at large meetings or, you know, there's just so many different ways to accommodate in the workplace, but you have to be upfront about what those accommodations are and the workplace has to provide them. I don't know that there was ever a conversation about like, mm. I have a disability or I- I'm dealing with alcoholism. This is what would be, I need in order to film, right? Mm. Like you would have to kind of say, but if your issue is alcohol and everyone else drinks alcohol that's there, it's, how are you supposed to remove it? Com- you make it so yeah. that it's it's complicated. It's very complicated. Yeah. If they were to have, like, a good example is, I need once a day to stop filming so I can go to a meeting. That would be an accommodation that would yeah. make a lot of sense. But removing alcohol is mm-hmm. a tough one. Yeah, that's interesting. So I don't I don't know what she's saying that she asked for that they didn't provide, that you would have to be able to prove, I think. And listen, all the lawyers listening, you tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would think that well, she would have to <clears throat> prove that she has a disability, that they knew that she had one, and that she asked for specific accommodations and that the accommodations were not made and that she lost future work opportunities as a result of them discriminating against her specifically for her disability. Mm.
1: Which seems like a difficult argument to mount <laughs> even through what she's said in this article. It where is. She admits, I said this, but I've,
0: I didn't mean that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not, well, I don't know. I just, if it were me and I had this terrible experience, the last thing I want to do is go to court like and relitigate everything. I just want to put that chapter behind <laughs> me and focus on what I can control.
1: Well, it sounds like though she thought she was lined up for the Legacy show. I I'm not excited about this Legacy show whatsoever. Um but then that was pulled. I don't know at what point they took
0: Legacy away. Maybe they didn't after Altman legacy Girl's away, friend. they just never offered it to her. Right. They told her she was being considered for it. Now, again, if I was Leah and I had a problem with alcohol and I didn't get along with the other women, I'd be like, oh, take me out of the running. I'm not interested Mm -hmm. in doing that. I don't think it's a good thing for me. But she keeps coming back. And is that. This is the fine fine thing, though. Maybe she has an addictive personality, you know i mean clearly to these women do but the, whose fault is that that she can't stop being on a tv show
1: the um that is true the there's a housewife that they don't name in the interview that i want to know who that is that admits to being. i think they make a comment about having been at BravoCon, and it gets to the end of bravo con and obviously they've been around fans, hundreds of thousands of or however many tens of thousands of fans for those three days and this housewife turns to the other housewives and says something to the effect of, How can I ever top this? Like this is the the high point of life to have this level of I guess the implication is to have this level of adoration.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> And I'm going and I'm just going to willingly just like kiss everyone's ass all weekend. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am
1: desperate to go. If they took the show on the road, I would be
0: there
1: 1,000% if they had an Australian version. Yeah.
0: What I hope they take away from it isn't just like I'm a fan, but thank you for putting your life on TV. I would never be able to do that. It's a very brave thing to do to show all aspects of your life, including the things that aren't pretty and to share that with the world for our entertainment so that we Uh can escape our lives when they get really crappy and watch your crappy life. Well, it is,
1: though. Like, that's such a good way of putting it.
0: That is what I think
1: fans are grateful for. And I think these people, these housewives go on TV thinking they have a certain story, and actually the story that they have is a bit different to the story that they thought they would be telling.
0: Totally. I'm just thinking of this upcoming season of Miami where Gertie gets diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. I mean, did she see that coming? Of course not. Does she want everyone to watch her go through a double mastectomy and chemo and all of that? Probably not. It's a very personal, painful, Mm. uh, uh, awful. I mean, the worst, (laughs) probably the worst thing that happened to you other than the death of your family members. Like, And Mm. she's putting it all out there. And I bet people are going to do more breast examinations as a result. I do believe that. Or they'll say, oh, I did feel the slump, but I didn't think it was anything. But let me go get it checked out. Mm. That always happens. Like Teddy Mellencamp coming out and showing all her scars from melanoma. She says so many people go get checked out at the dermatologist after. Which helps her too. Yeah. you know to navigate that process I think so it sort of yeah. has this mutual benefit right where you feel like oh I went through this awful thing or I'm navigating this really tough thing but I'm help if I can help somebody else and the truth is it does mm. it really does mm-hmm. when people open up about their divorce you know people who are getting divorced watching it feel less alone mm. if people talking mm. about a parent's death or an abusive parent or you know, any of that stuff. <laughs> Speaking of abusive parents, should we? Oh my God. Yes. Get it. into Salt yes. Lake. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, oh my God. Salt Lake City. I just, I don't even know what to do with Monica and her mother, Linda. It's dark. It's, it's, it's pretty
1: hard to watch. Last week's episode it wasn't last week, it was the week before, um, where Monica's mother was at Angie's party and sort of, my reading of her in that situation was she's the one that wants to be the star. And it seemed it didn't seem quite so dark in that setting. You sort of were like, oh, couldn't you stick up for your child or just sort of not completely undermine her publicly? But this scene of the two of them having a meal, I don't they don't get any way through the meal, is really hard to watch. Very, very uncomfortable.
0: I started feeling it when they were at the grandma's nursing home or retirement Mm -hmm. community and they were having that conversation and she said you thought I hung up but I was still on the line and you said these like horrible things about me swearing all of that and the mom's reaction was well I thought you'd hung up isn't that
1: a chilling moment (laughs) I thought you'd hung up
0: (laughs) what it's that's wild I that mom has so many problems but I think she also wants to be famous She absolutely wants to be famous. She does not need to go on Instagram or Twitter to tell her side of the story. It's so unnecessary. We're watching Monica. This is Monica's opportunity to tell her story, not yours. You're not, you're on the show, but you're not a character on the show. So these just, I
1: mean, you can sort of see that cyclical element in that Monica's mother was also so treated poorly by her mother. Yes, there there that was, was this element of which
0: explains sort of like this is being passed down generation to generation. And she did say it's because these women got pregnant when they didn't want to. And then they would, you know, take it out on their kid that they had, that the kid wasn't really wanted at that time, and then feel like those moments in their youth were taken from them. And then her mom is mm. trying to chase her dream you know, because she never got to chase her dream at 18 or however old she was when she got pregnant. And it's just a really good reminder that mm. um, birth control exists <laughs> and people well, should have abortion. access to an abortion. Consequence? Yes. Consequence and, of and, and, and the consequences of, 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 of getting pregnant and starting a family at an age that you're not ready for can have detrimental effects on yourself and on your children.
1: um, I would love to know more about the, they keep referring to them. So Monica's mother dropped Monica at a house in Pennsylvania. They just sort of say those people. Like, I kind of want to know who are those people? Are they still friends? Like, was that a positive experience? I definitely had questions about that bit. While also, I mean, that's not the point of it. But you kind of have this
0: hope that, Actually, those people were really nice. And she had stability for a period of time. totally. But it's still an abandonment. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They could be like the perfect, Mm. wonderful family. That probably makes her feel like an outcast. Wow. I didn't grow up with a family like this. I'm the different one at the dinner table. I'm the one who, when they send home a thing at school and you need a parent signature, I have to have these other people sign it for me. Like, I wonder mm. if there was a formal process because to transfer, like, power of attorney, mm. I don't know, like, to to make them the, the permanent guardian for a period of time. You can't just leave your child mm. with somebody mm. else. She's like, I visited every weekend. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> you literally left oh. your child in a different state.
1: Mm.
0: How yeah. is that? Okay.
1: I mean, it's very easy as a viewer or an outsider to say, but at what point do you say this relationship is
0: not, not good for me? I think they would both have to talk separately to professionals to make that determination. And it sounds like they're willing to go to therapy together, but what I heard was Monica's mom being like, we could get more scenes together. I'm giving yeah, them what it, they want. Completely. Well, like, I don't think she actually wants to fix it. It, that felt so. I
1: completely agree with that. They almost felt like there was this moment in this scene where she kind of it was going in one direction, and she made a conscious choice. No, I'm going to say therapy, and and I'm going to come across as the reasonable one in this in this discussion by by virtue of suggesting
0: that. I think people who have these tendencies always think that they're going to come across as the reasonable one in therapy, mm. right? So, and then they never do. <laughs> <laughs> you know therapists are trained and they, you know, and it's just the question is I think where what's next? What what is the ultimate goal and like how will do you get there? I do feel like Monica needs to address her pain in some mm. way because she's mm. taking it out on everyone around her. And it, she's saying that she's been wonderful to her kids, but I'm sure they're impacted if she's so hurt and in so much pain they know that they can tell you know it's hard to break that stuff yeah so I hope that she is able to work through that so that you know it's not easy it takes time and effort and a lot of money to pay professionals to like go through your trauma with you and have you retrain your brain how to process it as an adult versus a child mm.
1: the other to segue to another story with insult like mm-hmm. very awkward moment between um, Whitney and Justin around where she says have you called the therapist yet that was such a weird scene
0: yeah Did that, you response to that scene that seemed like she's trying to hold Justin accountable to do the things that he says he's going to do but he doesn't do them because he's back at work again. Mm. that's which how seems I, like
1: a straight a straightforward thing, like he's not really abrogating his responsibility. He now has a job and and obviously you have to negotiate things within a
0: relationship and a household and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I think Whitney's argument is, I have a job, and I still make time to do the things I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. but you, it's too much for. I don't get the choice to have it be too much so you still have to do things for mm. us as a couple and us as a household even though you work right that's I think what she was trying to get across that's true she did mention that I think at at one point what is he doing he is because he
1: okay they haven't divulged that
0: no I mean, he did marketing stuff, but everything in Utah seems to be like a multi-level marketing. It
1: does. Is that like their number one GDP item or something? <laughs> like it certainly reads that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why. Utah is a very unusual state. If I had to choose any state in the country that is the most unique and different from every other state, I would say Utah. I think the experience living in Utah is so vastly different from other American mm. experiences.
1: Is that because of the Mormon element? Is the biggest in Utah? I think
0: that's yeah, I think that's part of it, but there has to be other reasons too. I just don't know. Yeah. Culturally, it's just very different from um, normally but then again, it's very culturally different in the South than it is from the far North. I'm sure it's very different in Australia, or not Australia, um, uh, Alaska <laughs> and like Hawaii. You know, those are very different yes. also. Yeah. But, you know, it just seems so foreign to me. Yeah. Salt the, Lake does. The. <laughs>
1: stand standout on the theme of Mormonism, the standout moment for this episode has to be Lisa Barlow sitting with John Barlow and her son, shoehorning herself into what is a a pretty sort of um, nice touching conversation they're having uh, to tell a story about how she came home one day and saw her college <laughs> roommate dressed in all Lisa's clothes, sitting on the bed saying, I just wanted to see what it would be like to be you for a day (laughs) laugh out loud funny because a not really relevant to the conversation or the you know what the other two are talking about and b just a a humble brag basically (laughs) just a story (laughs) about someone who admired me so much that they wanted to put on all my clothing and experience the joy that is lisa barlow for one day
0: (laughs) nothing she ever says is fully relevant to the conversation she steers conversations back towards her at every possible opportunity to the point that like her child actively is annoyed with her consistently. Which she's smart enough to realize too. Like she,
1: She you know, but she can't stop herself. No, she cannot. She has gotten more herself over time too. Um, I get a lot of joy from Lisa Barlow. I think she's fantastic. She's something.
0: I mean, all those kids (laughs) and she's like, okay, we're having his party. And he's like, I just want A and B. And she's like, what about C, D, E, and F? And he's like, it's my party. Can't I just choose what I want? But she has to be in control of everything. And it's starting to seem really problematic, actually, when they were at the Trixie Motel and she wouldn't do drag because like, she needed to be in control yeah, of yeah, her I mean. face and she needed to be in control of her clothes. And I understand it, but it seems like there may be something unhealthy there with the amount yeah. of control she feels she needs to have at all times, because it's impossible to maintain. That's true, and uh, I think a lot of it for her is that image
1: too of of I think that is where that really came to a head is around appearance, um, and that sort of thing. the uh, The degree to which she is wounded by Jack not telling her that he was considering going on a mission. She just can't help but keep bringing that up. And so at that party she asks the audience during her speech who knew, you know, who knew that Jack was going on a mission before we did and gets them to put up their hands. And previously she was in a shop and saw the sales assistant knew her son and she asked that person. Like she really is preoccupied with, she's very much struggling with Yeah, I feel like. Which I
0: think is understandable. Even though she converted, there I mean, she's still a Jewish mother. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's, like, constantly nagging about, <laughs> you know, pointing out yeah. the one thing that she won't let go of, you know, <laughs> and she brings it up at every, it's so funny yeah. to me. Yeah, I think he's going to have a good time in Colombia, and hopefully, you know, he doesn't lead she anyone some,
1: astray. She had some thoughts on Colombia,
0: too i mean they well, sound pretty that. accurate
1: <laughs> really i don't know anything about columbia
0: it's not right. just columbia i mean if i did like missionary work in parts of dc including my own neighborhood i would get held up at gunpoint a lot like right wow. yeah it's not i don't think it's like just columbia but wow oh yeah my wow. my, my dc is very violent and has a lot of guns um So I would not want to go up to strangers and tell them things. So I I think because they're not staying in their own community, they're going out into other communities. It makes Mm -hmm. you more prone to violence. And in places where there is poverty, people will use weapons in order to get money or take your purse or your phone. You know, I got mugged a bunch of times when I lived in South Africa it's just like, wow. oh, here's my phone. I'll get another one with a SIM card. Like, <laughs> Okay. <This laughs> you just, know? Wow. And they're young. They're like 14. It's like, I'm not going to fight with a 14-year-old with a knife. Like, no. here you go. You know? So I don't think that. I think yeah. in Australia, you guys have like very few weapons. So maybe, mm. but if you live in a, any time you've ever been anywhere where there's a lot of like weapons, they get used. Not necessarily with the intent of harming, but with the intent of scaring into getting what they need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or what they want. I about that.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's, it's odd. I mean, Colombia also has a really long history of like narco trafficking and um, the government being sort of kind of run by these paramilitary groups. Um, all of that comes with weapons. All of that comes with mm. power dynamics. You know, now there's a huge influx of Venezuelans living in Colombia that, you know, have fleed Venezuela, and it's there's just some unrest yeah. there. Mm. I think the last thing people need is someone being like, "Hey,
1: yes, <laughs> what does beg the question? <laughs> should we
0: be Book sending Jack
1: <laughs> Jack Barlow to Colombia against <laughs> the backdrop?"
0: Well, is that the like, foot forward you want? <laughs> I mean, I hope some of the people that they convert find meaning in it, but I just yes. find it so disgusting I, to push yes. your views on other people and then tell them that they're wrong for how they yes. currently view the world. It was a bit ick.
1: I did like seeing the photos of John Barlow, though.
0: Oh, as a kid. He seems scary. Yeah. Like, he was such a good Mormon boy. How the hell did he end up with (laughs) this?
1: What does his mother think?
0: Oh, my God. And then, you know, there was more talk about mothers. We heard from Heather Gay that she has not really been speaking to her mother since Mm. she got divorced. Her mom couldn't handle it. Sounds very similar to Whitney, who her and her mom didn't speak for 13 years after she left the church. So there does seem to be a lot of um, mother-daughter pain in this group that I don't know that I fully realized until this episode.
1: No, neither. I think Meredith said something that she did speak to her mother, but she did make some just slight comment that there was trauma there or something. Maybe, uh, but not in a big way. Maybe she was just sort of – Contributing to the conversation, but she did say she spoke to her mother, which makes yeah. this an interesting point of like, if you have about, you're in this sandwich generation of having a mother, uh, whether you speak to them or not, but also raising children and how you, like mm-hmm. what you set out to do as a consequence of your own relationship.
0: It's so sad to <laughs> me. It's it's just so sad that um, parents would not speak to their children, especially when they're going through such a hard time. Mm. Or, you know all because of shame that they think mm. their child brings them like that's just the nastiest it's to sad. think that your own child is bringing you shame and to make your child feel that they're you know well
1: to prioritize that feeling over uh, the yes exactly right
0: yeah
1: oh it's so yeah. upsetting to me
0: it is super sad um Shall we dive into the Rony reunion part yes, two? Yes. So the Real Housewives of New York, the new New York is over. Did you have thoughts on kind of how this compares to the old New York and the I season as a whole? I loved it. I okay, know people, good. it feels
1: like people are really divided about the new New York. Maybe that's just what I gleaned from Twitter, but I absolutely loved it. I loved all of these women. Some of them I also didn't like, but... As a group, I thought they were fantastic. They embodied what I think of I mean obviously an upper class wealthy part of New York, but I liked um, I thought they were cool, and I think that's fun, like watching cool people. Um, yeah, I really liked them and I had I had really disengaged from the old Roney, which felt and it's not a consequence of the age of women in any way, but it felt very old and tired. And that problematic element around alcohol, they were not – none of the women, I think, were in happy spaces in New York, um, whereas this new group do feel like, you know, they're living their best lives in many ways or, yeah. you know, seem to be living their best life and then you get to see behind the scenes of what, you know, what challenges they're actually navigating. Yeah, I really
0: liked it. I I thought it was okay. I thought it was, you know, for a first season, it's so hard. It's so awkward. You know, they don't have a dynamic yet. I think next season, once they have established a dynamic and maybe bring in some new people that have Mm. genuine connections to them, that it will get much better, especially since it seems like the cast hang out outside of the show, which is a very good measure of success because if they show up just for filming and they never are friends outside, it shows I agree. Yeah. so I think that bit is very nice.
1: Although Jenna does not hang with the gang. She's not. Is that right? There's no way. Do you think she's not? I kind of want her to. I like seeing introversion because I don't think we see, I mean, most housewives are extroverts probably by virtue of the type of person that would want to be a housewife. Yeah, (laughs) But I think, I think I like seeing that side of her. I mean, I can totally see how she's unsuited in many ways, but I still like, Watching her, and I like the vulnerability, although her, a lot of her vulnerability is confessional as opposed to within the group. But I really liked yeah. her as well.
0: I thought she did an okay, a good job with that stuff. I think where she loses me is that she doesn't promote the show, it feels like very mm-hmm. forced. She seems embarrassed by the show. Um, she it's just she's not her heart isn't in it. And yeah. I don't want someone on the show who's embarrassed to be on the show. Like, come on. Like, you're too cool for her this. Her heart like, is, is not in it. It's not yes. in it. And I just her don't want that. I, want that. I want it. What did you think of Uba and her coming in real hot at the reunion?
1: Oh, Uba. I really liked Uba in the season. Well, I liked Uba most of the time in the season. The, the phone thing lost me a little bit. Um mm-hmm. Uber just felt a bit all over the shop to me. She was really cross and I actually thought she raised some decent points when she was cross. Like she said at one point, I actually had each of your back at different moments throughout this season, which I think was a valid statement to make, but she just was a bit too hot but then would counterbalance that with um, sort of saying how, I don't know, in the case of Jenna, I admire you so, like on the one hand, one moment saying, you know, you called yourself Team Aaron. You know, I'm really cross about that. But then on the other, that literally the next second sort of saying, um, but I admire you so much. I, it just, it, it felt like a shotgun going off in all different directions. You were, and you were kind of like, what? Where are we? What? Okay. Yeah, there was a lot.
0: Yeah, it was hard for me when she seemed to be upset with the term aggressive being used against yes. her because it met the definition of aggressive. Her behavior did. I had this like long chat with Taria during that episode about it. And Taria was explaining, you know, the black woman trope about being an angry black woman. And it's not that she was this angry black woman. It's just, she was being angry and aggressive and shouting and and using her voice the way that she did and just being unrelenting was aggressive you know, and so then, if you can't call her that, and and I could understand the mm-hmm. the pain that she must feel in being called that, and no one acknowledging that that is an mm-hmm. offensive and difficult trope. But I thought Bryn said it best when she said, "You're usually in the right, but you lose everyone in your delivery," mm-hmm. and she just doesn't seem to know how to deliver.
1: I think that's true. That was a good interaction. They had a few good interactions, Bryn and Uba, certainly as a viewer. They were – the way they spoke to each other, I think – yeah, I think they said good things. Yeah, that side of it is a really tough one. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, except for when Uba said, you don't know how to accept love to Bryn. I thought that was was really nasty. Yeah, that was like below hitting the Hitting people where it hurts. Like, I also am just never going to get over her saying she's slapped every person, every guy <laughs> she's ever dated. That And that
1: didn't really get explored much at all. I that was think just a, Andy was like, let's move on kind of a thing. That.
0: Like, we're not touching yeah. that. And people couldn't tell if she was joking or not. But I don't think she was joking at all. Yeah, that was not a good moment. The other That's thing that was fun. so frustrating is that because she doesn't understand all of the american english like idioms and you know phrases she gets angry and she thinks she's being like talked down to when it's really just a figure of speech yes. and she has to get over and realize that if you do not fully understand like american english that's okay but don't assume everyone is coming after you all of the time, right? Just ask, yeah. be curious, not furious. <laughs> yeah, yes. That, you know? I, mean, I think that's great advice
1: in general. The <laughs> What was kind of strange as well was you kind of looked at the contrast between uh, how the women responded to Uber versus how they say responded to Jessel when Jessel was – and Jessa, Jessel has a softer sort of – Character when she was trying to raise points that she was annoyed with, no one really came to her defence much. Maybe Bryn a little bit, but then you had Uber. I think two of them got up off the couch. Did, did two of them get up off the couch? Erin certainly got up off the couch to comfort, her, comfort which, her, which seemed very. I mean, they used to talk about um fight or flight, and now they talk about fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. That you fawn over—that felt very fawning to me. Like it, it, it was an unexpected response to Uber's
0: anger. It was like once she started crying, that was when Aaron, I think, felt she wanted to comfort her. But I don't know. I also felt like they didn't want to push back on Uber and say, "We understand why you were upset with the phone." Your reaction still was yes, too much. Yeah. She Which is was true. Like, it is true. Like, she was right. Someone shouldn't take your phone. She really thought it was important to be in touch with her family. I totally understand that it, it meant more to yeah. her the phone than other things. The phone means to other people. But she still like just being angry for that many hours in a row and not being able to get over it is to me like that is a person I can't be friends with. Because it was I don't know if I'm ever going to be on the receiving end of your wrath and when your wrath is going to end. Like I, <laughs> I just, I can't take people yeah. who have that level of anger and don't know how to manage their anger. Yeah. And I think Aaron was a bit shocked by it. I, yeah, it's one yeah. of the most shocking things to witness an adult mm. get angry and then blow up and that blow up to last like seven hours straight. Mm. that's it's, it's insane it's not yeah it was a lot that's not normal
1: <laughs> it was a long yeah to just be
0: unable lot. to like calm yourself down
1: you yeah. know
0: so it worries me it worries me i don't know how uba if she's set if she's set up to be on this kind of a show if she can handle it emotionally because she seems to take things very personally which mm-hmm. again i would if i thought someone was saying something bad about me but i'm not on tv
1: but even that moment of uh, Jenna, whether Jenna had said there'd be cameras there or not cameras there, that did seem like a disproportionate. She took that very personally.
0: Yeah. And she was like, I was just letting you know. Well, there's different ways to let people know things in different tones of voice. And I think sometimes she uses her assertive voice when it's not necessary mm. to get the point across. Mm. You know, mm. it's like a quick quick uh, switch um there was a lot of talk of tough childhoods you know i i don't know it just felt like they weren't talking as much all the time about their dynamics with each other like, i would have loved to know more about what the hell has been going on between Aaron and si since the show aired because yes wouldn't like that be they fascinating? Were so close and then all of a sudden there's drama there they're not great why Let's talk about it.
1: Also, like, talk about their relationship, but also the experience for them, which Andy kind of asked a little bit about, but of them seeing themselves and, like, people's responses to them, particularly Cy, like the most disliked housewife. Um, I think the most telling moment for me of Cy came in the first reunion where she made some comment to the effect that he, I just want people to look at me or people do look at me and they see a really happy person, which sort of was a comment that fell very flat. And Andy sort of picked it up and put it to the group. Oh, is that how you guys see site? Because I mean, he didn't say this, but I think most viewers would say that's not really the way that she comes across. And then he pressed Jenna and said, what do you think Jenna and Jenna? Sorry. No, it was Jessel. Um, and I can't even remember what Jessel said, but I think she responded quite diplomatically. Um, I wish we got a little more from Sai in that reflectiveness of, you know, I have always sort of seen myself, you know, I know these things about myself that I am quick to anger and I get easily irritated Um, But I think she has told herself over time that she's kind of a truth teller and those things are okay because, um, you know, they're part of her personality. But I had hoped she might see them in a different light and I really disappointingly didn't get a sense of that at all.
0: Yeah. I think at the very end when he was like, what do you want to do differently? That me, I can't remember what her answer was. I think she wanted to listen to people, listen more. more. I thought that was good. I yeah. thought Aaron's was really good. You know, I really hope that they um, watch themselves back and take some notes, but also not too many because yes, this group that's true seems too. to yeah. be so concerned with how they're viewed by the outside world, and that's not really what we want in Housewives. We just kind of want them to be, and yeah. Not to be so calculating all the time. We can only have like one calculating housewife per franchise. Otherwise, it just yes. it doesn't work. And I think to have all of them know how Instagram works and how you know the press and tabloids work and how to it's just too much. It's, it's too a much. victim of its own success, yes. isn't it? Um, which is unfortunate.
1: I. I mean, on that sort of topic of reflection, the the reunion started with Jessel sort of raising this issue that the women had, particularly Erin and Sy, had implied that they thought Pavitt was having an affair. So unsatisfying for them, just basically to deny it.
0: That was so dumb. Like they, all the things they had said were implying that there's no other reason to go to Vietnam for 24 hours other than to have sex with somebody there. Like that is wild. He lives in New York city. He could have sex with anyone. Exactly.
1: Why would you fly fly? that? It makes like,
0: yeah, yeah. it was nasty. And, um, I think they really didn't want to listen to Jessel. She annoyed them. And so they immediately stopped listening when she would talk and, Sometimes she took a while to get to the point, but she yes. eventually got to the point.
1: Yeah. The uh, the whole discussion throughout the season of Jessel and Pavitt not having had sex for 18 months was such an interesting one and a great example of, I don't know if you call it minutia, but the way in which different people look at something through the lens of their own experience mm. and and even the way the husbands interpreted what the correct answer was in that situation. And so you had Abe sort of saying, oh, I'd cheat, you know, I'd find someone else. And what that kind of says about his and Erin's relationship versus Sai and, is it David? Him saying, well, the relationship would be over and what that says about their relationship. I thought that was such a great example of conflict or an issue that isn't i mean it probably hurt jessel's feelings um to you know uh but it doesn't have to be hugely they don't have to be big things to be able to get real insight to people and into their relationships totally oh, a good one.
0: totally no i think they were projecting the insecurities that they have in their relationships onto her and the fact that the answers weren't well okay why aren't we having sex right mm. because there's usually a reason if 18 months go by something is going that's on right. so why that's wouldn't right. you want to address the thing that's going on and then even aaron was like what if i had cancer right yeah and, but if and even then with like i think the low
1: point of the season was abe being like i want it all the time and like it was just a shudder
0: um, um yeah, I was like, "That's not normal." You have like three kids. Oh. So are you not exhausted? Well, wow, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean all the time? Like, <laughs> it was very crazy. Yeah, I I feel like those husbands didn't come across as great. I thought Sai's husband really redeemed himself and how he spoke to Uba. Agree. He I think that is that is a good apology. It it's was like a good a apology. Good
1: apology. Yeah, yeah,
0: but. I don't know. I really hope that they regroup, that they, you know, get some more authentic interactions mm. and that it's less about everyone's like personal story and explain themselves to mm. each other because that felt like a bit too much.
1: It's true. You want the action to be in the moment, not in the past where no one has sort of not in your family history. It was
0: like everyone's like sob story. And usually we only get one Per Mm. season and to get them all at the same time just felt really heavy. And then having them all judge each other over whose was worse. Mm. It was, it felt like a sort of like race to the bottom. I don't know. It felt just because one person had something really, really awful happen. Doesn't mean the other person's bad thing that they had happen isn't valid. Mm. Right. Mm. And I felt like Jessel felt like they weren't taking her seriously so she used words that she probably shouldn't use to describe her situation because they weren't acknowledging her struggle which is very different from Cy and Bryn's struggle you know it's okay yeah everyone I think can that's have a good reading of that. yeah yeah but like why did she feel the need to constantly use different words it's because you weren't just letting her tell a story you were judging it that's right immediately and being in-
1: Feeling like she was being interrogated too. Totally, so, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I have a plane to catch. <laughs> yes, you do. Not you have so many hours, um, Catherine. Tell everyone where can they find you? Where can they check out your books? Where can they check out your podcast? Anything else you want to plug? Well, uh, my podcast is called The First Time uh
1: it's available where podcasts are we have an instagram um account which is at the first time pod and i am on instagram as well at ke Collette. uh no that's not it that's twitter um which i'm not on because no one is on twitter anymore my instagram is at katherine Collette, writer
0: nice Well, thank you so much. I'll post your Instagram and I will link to your podcast and everyone go, go check it out. Thank you for having me and have a wonderful time at BravoCon. Thank you so much.